whenever we go to a graduation, or maybe if you just see pictures of students who are graduating, there's this feeling of, wow, they have so much potential. Their whole life is ahead of them. There are so many places that they can go, so many things that they can do. And when I think about all the kids that are in our kids' ministry, when I look at our attendance card and I see how many children were in the nursery and toddler class and children's church, after I say a quick prayer for our children's volunteers, I think, man, there's so much potential here. And in this poem that I'm going to read to you, the poet captures this idea of the potential of children in a very vivid way. So look with me at Psalm 127 and verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, he just said there, he said, children are a gift. Children are a gift. I was heartbroken to see... Um, this week, I don't know if you were following uh, some international news, uh, another country uh, in Europe repealed an amendment and made abortion legal. Uh, man, it's just it's heartbreaking to see so many young lives stuffed out. Scripture says children are a gift. Every child is a gift. You say, well, Pastor Dan, what about... What about in the cases of, of, of a sexual predator or every child is a gift? Every child is a gift. And the circumstances uh, don't matter. Every child is a gift. Well, Pastor Dan, what about all these people from other countries? Every child is a gift. Every human life is valuable. Every child is a gift. That's what Scripture is telling us. Not only is every child a gift, verse 4 tells us that there is incredible potential in each one of those lives. Verse 4 says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now you've probably heard some of these verses before, some of these psalms before. Children are heritage of the Lord. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Perhaps you've, you're familiar with some of those. And that the one that I'm going to point out to you today that it might be the least familiar to, but I think it's the, the best example or the best communication of a child's potential. The psalmist says that like arrows in the hand of a strong man or a mighty warrior are the children of youth. Now, I thought about having, we've got some archers in the church. I thought about having some of you bring your bow and arrow, but I was afraid that I might hurt myself or someone else. So I got a, a, a bow and arrow that I thought might be a little bit more safe uh, to use this morning. I don't know if you can see the tips on these, but they are suction cups. Uh, Haven got these uh, this past Christmas, and her and her cousin both got them, and they've been shooting arrows, and when they get together this summer, they're supposed to kind of have a, a competition to see who can shoot their bows and arrows the best. But I remember when Haven first got this set of bow and arrow, 
She stood across the kitchen and living room, and if you ever had one of those like dart guns with the suction cups, the darts had the suction cups, when you were a kid, those never stuck to anything, right? I mean, you could lick them and then shoot them and hit it dead on, and they never stuck. I mean, they might stick for just like a moment and then fall off. And Haven, she drew back the bow, she aimed at our refrigerator, let it loose, and thud, it stuck immediately. I was impressed not only with her aim, but the velocity with which she was able to shoot this arrow off of this toy, bow and arrow. Suddenly I thought, boy, she could really hit me from across the room if she wanted. <laughs> and and that, that's what a bow and arrow is. It extends the reach of a warrior. It extends the reach of a hunter. Now, in our day and age, our age of high-powered, long-distance rifles, our day and age of laser-guided, GPS-oriented missiles, it's probably hard for us to appreciate the great value that a bow and arrow would have been to a warrior or a hunter in the time that this poem was written. But what a bow and arrow did was it extended the reach of a warrior. Before bow and arrow and its counterpart, the, the sling and a rock, you had to be within arm's reach of someone to combat them. And there's still a little bit of this in us, right? When we maybe feel a little threatened, we stand at least an arm's reach away from someone. But when bow and arrow and rock and sling came to be, suddenly you didn't have to be within arm's reach to take down your foe, to take down your prey you had the opportunity, the ability, the capability to reach out and touch someone who was far away. And what the psalmist is saying here is that children of youth are like bow and arrow in the hand of a warrior. And the next line he says is, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And the quiver is the container that you store your extra arrows in right? So that you're able to take down more enemies, more prey, have another shot. And he's saying that when there are many children, it's like having many arrows who can take out many enemies. And friends, at our church, can I tell you that our quiver is full? That, that we are constantly working on ways to make the quiver larger so that more arrows can fit? so that we have more opportunity to minister to more kids. That is a blessing. And happy are we because our quiver is full. Happy are we because there are so many children, your kids, your grandkids, that we have the opportunity to minister to. In uh, 2006, the first summer that I was here as pastor, we held vacation Bible school. And we worked hard decorating the rooms and if you've ever been to Vacation Bible School here, you know that we try to go all out to make it an incredibly fun event. We had a good number of volunteers, and we had all of the rooms decorated, and we had snacks ready, and there were six children that walked in the door that day. And i got to be honest with you, I stood up in front of them, and I led the games, and um, I was discouraged. Now, we, we, we didn't cancel Bible School because those six kids were important, and we wanted to impart the gospel message 
to them just as much as we wanted to impart to 60. But it was our desire to reach more and more children. Fast forward 10 years later, we have so many children at Vacation Bible School, we stopped advertising because we don't have enough workers for the amount of children who are coming. Our quiver was full. And so the psalmist is saying, arrows in the hand of a warrior are like, like, that's what children are in their youth. And happier you if your quiver is full of, we have been blessed with many kids. We're blessed to have many parents, young families that call this church home. And so we've got these arrows. What I want to talk to you about this morning is let's shoot them in the right direction. Let's launch them off towards their intended targets. He says, like arrows in the hands of a mighty man or a warrior. And when you hear that term, mighty man, it might not seem uh, so specific to you, but if you knew that during David's time, those that were the elite warriors in David's time, they were his mighty men. That was quite a designation. If you were some of David's top warriors in his army, you were called a mighty man. And there are incredible stories told to us about the mighty men in First and Second Samuel. There's the story told of us of a man who fights a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Stories about men who, who raced through incredible odds over mountains. They did incredible things. Why? Because they were mighty men. They were the top. They were the rangers. They were the seals. They were special forces. And he's saying here, like like arrows in the hands of special forces are the children of youth. Now, I probably didn't make anybody nervous holding that bow and arrow. And I probably wouldn't make many of you nervous holding a real bow and arrow because I'm not skilled with one. But in the hands of an expert marksman, bow and arrow is serious business. And he's saying, in the hands of a mighty man, of a mighty warrior. In the hands of a mighty man, the hands of special forces, a bow and arrow means greater potential. And that's what the poet is talking about here. Like arrows in the hand of the warrior, like weapons and tools with amazing reach are young people. And God willing, each and every one of the kids that we have opportunity to minister to are going to go further, they're going to go faster, they're going to carry the kingdom deeper into the heart of enemy territory. How incredible is their potential? How amazing is it that 10, 15 years from now, we could sit back and see all of the places that they've gone and all the things that they've done. Uh, Derek and Allison aren't here today. They're on vacation. But I remember years ago, uh, someone in our church was graduating from high school and they gave them the gift of the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. You familiar with that book? Let me read you a couple of lines from it. Why it's a fitting gift that somebody might give to a graduate. Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the guy who will decide where to go. What Dr. Seuss is saying here is the same thing as what the poet is saying. There's so much potential. There's so many places that you can go. But this morning, we're not talking about 
just the, the potential that kids have to go and do a bunch of different things and go to a bunch of different places. We're talking about the kingdom potential that they have, the difference that they can make for God's work in the world. I get excited to think about our kids in kids' ministry, the difference they can make in our community. That's the reason that the mission of our church is to build the church our friends and neighbors will join. And what? And our children will one day lead because we're building a congregation that we're going to hand off to them one day and they're going to lead it further and faster and deeper than we have. And we want to hand it off to them. So that's the reason they're like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Because they've still got so much ahead of them. They've got so much potential. And have you talked to some of the kids in our kids' ministry? They're pretty smart. They're bright. They're incredibly cute. They know Scripture. I'm moved when I hear them talk about God's Word. When I hear them quote Bible verses. When I hear them sing the songs they've been taught here at our church. There's incredible potential there. Here at Faith Church, for many years, we had Faith Christian School. And our passion through Faith Christian School was to launch young people out to make a difference in the community and for the kingdom. And today, you can look back through some of the old yearbooks from Faith Christian School and see people who are serving in ministry, who are raising up godly families that are leading in business and faithful in their church. You know, today, our method is different. But our aim is still the same. We no longer have a Christian school, but our purpose and our heartbeat is exactly the same. That decades from now, the children that walk these halls, that are in our toddler class, that are in children's church, that one day they will, they will step into places of service in God's kingdom, that they'll lead in places of business, that they'll raise families that honor God. And so we need to be firing arrows with great precision and skill. So let me ask you a couple of questions, parents. First of all, let me ask you, where are you aiming your kids? Where are you aiming your kids? Many parents are aiming their kids at a life of success, at a life of prestige, at a life of academic or athletic accomplishment. That's not where we should be aiming. You know how to aim? You aim where you look. So we will be aiming our kids where we are constantly looking. We will be pointing our children where we are constantly directing our attention. We will be leading our children to the places that we ourselves are walking. Does that make sense? That what we are walking towards and what we are living for and what we are giving our attention to, that's where we'll be pointing our kids. And that being said, let's look back at verses 1 and 2. Look back at verses 1 and 2 of this psalm. Verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. No matter what it is that we lead our kids to do, no matter what it is that we direct them towards in this life, if it is not of the Lord, it is in vain. 
The psalmist says, unless the Lord build the house, it's going to crumble. Unless the Lord keeps the city, it's going to fall. It is useless work otherwise. I don't care how prestigious the school your kid gets into is. And I don't care how competitive the team they play on is. If it is not of the Lord, it is vanity. If it is not leading them towards a leading them in the direction of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's vain. If we're pointing them to anything other than walking with Jesus step by step, day by day, leading them towards anything other than following Christ, we're leading them towards vanity. So back to the first message in this series, the very best thing that we can do is walk with Jesus and lead them in that direction, run alongside of them in that. We will point them towards what we are putting our attention on, what we are looking at. Look at verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know what he's saying? He's saying, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how vigilant you are. If you're building a house or keeping a city that the Lord is not in, the work is in vain. It is noble to raise our children to be hard workers. It is noble to raise our children to value academic progress. It is noble to raise our children to be passionate about their sport, to have a desire to win, so that it matters what they're doing. All of that is noble. But if all they are dedicated to is rising up early to make another dollar, or rising up early to receive some other achievement, and the achievements are things that the Lord is not in, we are teaching them to skate on ice that is going to melt. doesn't matter how well they skate. The ice is still going to melt doesn't matter how nice of a life they build in this world, this will all burn away. It is meaningless for our children to spend their lives working hard and accumulating wealth. And I know that nobody wants their kids to be poor. It is meaningless for your children to travel all over the nation to play ball so that they can increase their playing time and ability. It's meaningless. It's meaningless for them to graduate with great honors. It is meaningless if all of that is leading them toward a life that is without Christ. Because all they are doing is coming in first place and things that do not matter. They are at the head of the line in the wrong direction. So let me ask us, parents, where are we aiming our kids? Right now, depression and anxiety rates are the highest they've ever been since we've been keeping track for student-aged children. Why? Because they're giving their life to vanity. Pushing kids hard in a direction that only brings fleeting enjoyment and satisfaction. So where are we aiming our kids? Second, this is a two-part question. Moms and dads, how hard have you pulled back? And are you willing to let go? How hard have you drawn the bow back? And are you willing to let go? In contrast 
to the, the, the culture's drive to be incredibly successful and to achieve and to be at the top of this and be the best player at that. In contrast to that, we have parents who don't challenge their kids at all. You realize that the velocity of the arrow is dependent upon how far back you pull the bow. If you don't pull the bow back, the arrow's not going to go anywhere. Probably if you watched the news this week, you saw uh, the case of uh, the Rotundos, um, a man and woman who took their 30-year-old son to court to evict him from their home. And he went on the news and talked to the newscasters about the fact that he didn't want to leave because he didn't have a job. And his argument in the court was that they had not given him enough notice to have to move out. Okay? But his argument was that they needed to give him further legal notice. If you were 30 years old, you, should, you, you don't have notice yet. It's time to move out, okay? I know that doesn't qualify as a, as a legal warrant of deed from the sheriff's office, but I'm just telling you now, okay? So he's 30 years old. They have to sue him to get him out of the house didn't have employment, he argued he hadn't been given enough notice. And I realize that many younger people live at home and it's for the benefit of their aging parents. I realize that for many people this is a good situation. But this was a non-desired situation, a child who would not leave and they had to take to court to get to leave. Let me just say this kindly. If we never challenge our kids they will never rise to a challenge. I don't know these parents that had to sue their child to get him out of their home. I don't know them at all. I don't know their parenting style. But to me, that seems like the behavior of someone who's been trained to live that way for 30 years. And if we raise our children to constantly be dependent upon us, they will constantly be dependent upon us. You see, we have parents who are pushing their children in the wrong direction, chasing after the wrong things, and then we have helicopter parents. You know what a helicopter parent is, right? A helicopter parent is someone who's always hovering over their kids. So whatever their kid's doing, they're just hovering over them like a helicopter. Don't fall. Don't scrape your knee. Don't do that. If you remember the story of the secret garden, the Children find this secret garden at this house, and it's beautiful, but it's been locked away. They also simultaneously find this young boy who's been locked away in a room because his parents are afraid that if he goes out in the world, he'll get sick. By protecting him from everything, they've made him weak because he's never been exposed to anything. He has no immune system. He has no strength. He has no muscle. And there's an analogy there that just as there has been this garden that is walled off and nobody can enjoy it, by keeping everyone out who might harm it, it hasn't brought enjoyment to anyone. And by locking our kids away, where they can never scrape their knee, where they can never make a mistake, we make them weak and anemic, and they're not able to enjoy life. If we're going to shoot out arrows, we're going to have to draw the bow back. And it is hard work. It takes strength. It takes 
persistence. It takes grit to challenge our kids, to find that right balance. But once we've challenged them, then you know what has to happen? We have to let go. We have to let go. In contrast to this family that sued their son to get him out of the house, I knew a young man that his mother didn't want him to leave the house. And he had a, a woman that he was interested in. It was a romantic relationship developing. And the mother sabotaged the relationship. Why? Because she wanted the son all to herself. She wanted him to stay there, never leave her. Never leave her alone. And so he did. And then she passed. And he was left alone in that house all by himself, unable to build relationships with any other people. And she had cursed him with a lonely existence by holding on to him for herself. You know what arrows are for? Arrows are to be shot. That's what arrows are for. And children are to be sent out into the world. And if we hover over our kids and we hold on to them tightly. We're keeping them from their design purpose. Jim Elliott, the missionary who would lose his life carrying the gospel to the Aka Indians, he said in a letter to his parents, his parents were very displeased that he was going to this, this third world place, this place in the middle of nowhere. They were upset about it. So he writes them this letter and he says, Remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were a heritage from the Lord, that every man should be happy who had his quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows for but to shoot? So with the strong arms of prayer, draw back the bowstring and let the arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy of hosts. Moms and dads, we've got to let those arrows fly. And when we do, it is incredible the impact that they can have in the kingdom of God. Faith Church, we've got to let these arrows fly. We've got to send them out into the Lord's work to make a difference. Now, some of you, you, you kind of probably feel like right now, like, Man, I don't know where my parents were aiming me, but I am just flying through the air with no purpose. Do you, do you remember the, the Disney cartoon Robin Hood? The classic. I mean, I, I loved that as a kid. And in that classic, there is, like in most Robin Hood stories, there is an archery competition. And in that cartoon version, the winner of the archery competition gives, gets to give the fair Maid Marian a kiss. And Robin Hood comes to participate in the competition in costume, but the person who is competing against him, as he is drawn back his bow, tips his bow so that his arrow flies into the sky, far wide of its target. And in a moment, he draws out another arrow and shoots it into the sky after the other arrow, knocking it and redirecting its path straight to the target. That's something that only happened in a cartoon. But with great skill, he redirects the trajectory 
of that arrow back to its target. I don't think there's any living archer that could do something like that for real. But you know what I do believe? I do believe that Christ is powerful enough to change the trajectory of any life. And if your family of origin and your parents sent you off on a path that was the wrong direction, or maybe they sent you out on the right direction, but you did not fly true, I want you to know that today Christ can redirect your path and send you towards your target. And then last thing, and I'm done. Faith Church, we need, we desperately need archers. We need archers. We need skilled, passionate kids, volunteers, who will help us fire every one of these arrows towards the enemy. I got to attend a wedding recently, beautiful wedding. Harry and Tammy's daughter got married. And at the wedding, I sat next to Bob and June. And many of Kara's friends who had attended church here or gone to school here in years gone by were at the wedding. And I heard June say again and again, he was in my Sunday school class when he was just a little boy. Oh, she was in my Sunday school class when she was a little boy. Oh, that's, that gave me such joy. Because you know what I saw? I saw arrows on course who for some period of time had passed through our, our halls and sat in Miss June's Sunday school class years ago. There's a whole host of them with us now. And we need archers. Miss June has served her tour in Sunday school. And she's told me, I passed down, I would, I would love to continue helping out with the kids, but just not as strong as I was. We need archers. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.